Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. In which we learn why a customer can't reboot their own device. Warning, long but possibly worth it. This happened a few years ago when I was still new enough for stuff like this to surprise me. Me equals me, WTFC equals what the F customer. After a call in which I determined that the root cause of a customer's issues can be fixed by them rebooting their wall-mounted equipment. So I'll need you to go and reboot your fiber optic unit. Do you know where it's located within your house? What the F customer? Yeah, it's in my basement. But I can't do that. I'm going to need you to send someone to do it for me. I don't argue this, as customers can indeed have physical disabilities which would make it dangerous or impossible for them to access wall-mounted equipment, or equipment access via a staircase. However, I still need to inquire as to why they're unable to do so. Me. That's okay. I can certainly arrange for someone to come and do that for you, but can you explain why you can't do so yourself? Customer. So, um... I can't go into the basement right now. Me. Sure, but is this because of a physical reason or because the basement is inaccessible or... Customer. It's more sort of a health reason? Me. Can you be a bit more specific? Customer. Well, there's a skunk. In my basement. Sort of living there. Me. Crickets as I try to take this in. Oh. A skunk, so you can't go down there because of a skunk? Customer, sounded relieved at how understanding I'm being. Exactly, so obviously I can't go down there, so you need to send a repair person. Me, no, I can't do that. I can't ask a repair person to go into a basement where there's a skunk. You need to call animal control or trap it yourself, and then you can reboot it yourself. Or we can send someone to do it. Customer, oh, I can't do that. Animal control will kill it. Me. I think they'll just rehome them, but either way, we aren't going into your basement until the skunk is gone. Customer. But my internet and TV won't work until I reboot it. So you're saying you won't come out and fix my services? Me. I'm saying that until the skunk is gone, no one is entering your basement. And if they do enter it and the skunk is still there, they're going to leave immediately. Customer. Well, I guess I'll just have to wait till spring then. They usually leave by spring. Me thinking, usually? Oh, good luck with that, and thanks for calling. They never did call back, that I'm aware of, so I guess the skunk moved out and they handled it on their own. I mean, when I used to work construction, I remember going into basements and crawl spaces and running into, you know, the occasional mouse. Termite tunnels up the side of the foundation. Spiders, of course, always. Uh, those stupid, weird little crickets that look all jacked up from living in the dark. Uh, house crickets, I think they're called. The occasional snake, mostly hognose, where I'm from, uh, dwell in crawl spaces like that. They like to look fierce. They like to do this little cobra dance where they kind of sit up a little bit and flatten their head a little and hiss and make noise at you. But honestly, I've never been bitten by a hognose, so. How do I hang up our call? In today's adventures of a customer service rep, Customer, Hi, I'm calling in because I need help hanging up this phone call. Me, 
Okay, would that be on another customer's phone line? Customer. No, on the one I'm calling from. <laughs> Me. Um, okay. So I'm talking to you on that line right now. Customer. Yes. Me. Do you have someone else on hold? Customer. No. So just to clarify, you called me to ask how to hang up this call. That's correct. I need to hang up this call I'm on right now. I've never had issues before on hanging up. Uh, Alright. I can help you. I got the customer on where the call in button is. Customer. I think I found it. Click. Wow. I don't... I don't have any words for that one. I don't understand. Like, isn't it just a matter of... Usually office phones, you just take the receiver and put it down. If you're on speaker, you you can just pick the receiver up and put it back down. And then that hangs up the call. Or, like the text showed, they have a end call button. I'm, I'm confused. What's the point of a wired mouse if my laptop already has one of those? Older lady thinks reality is based on what she wants. Working a side gig during COVID and came across a gem of a client. This lady sounded to be in her 50s or 60s. She had bought a new laptop but didn't like the look of the touchpad, so she bought an external wireless mouse to use instead. Fair enough. Well, I asked if her mouse came with a little Bluetooth receiver. She confirmed that it did. I asked if she had plugged it in. She had not. Okay, good. This will be easy, I figure. I tell her to plug it in and tell me what prompts she sees. She sighs angrily to herself, and after a few seconds, she tells me nothing came up. I ask her to move the mouse. She says, again, angrily, yeah, it moves. Great, problem solved. Nope, she continues with, okay, but I don't want this Bluetooth thing connected. What's the point of buying it if it has to be plugged in? Puzzled for a moment, I try to explain that it's simply a reality of wireless mice, as well as a lot of wireless devices with laptops. She continues, Well, that's insane. It's needless. The computer already has one connected. I wanted an unconnected one. Now I have to deal with this Bluetooth lead with it getting in the way constantly. Again, puzzled, I ask her what brand wireless mouse she purchased so I can look it up so I can get an idea of what she's talking about. She reads the box, and of course, it's a wired mouse. That brand doesn't even sell wireless mice. I ask her if the Bluetooth lead connects to the mouse physically. She replies with a, yes, that's the problem. I try to explain that she's bought a wired mouse and that she needs to return it and get a wireless one if that's what she wants. Then she starts on with, but why can't you just remove the lead? What's the point of it being wireless if it has the lead? <laughs> it's not a wireless mouse, ma'am. I'm aware of that, and that's what I'm saying is the issue. Ma'am. The device you bought is not able to be wireless. Why not? It wasn't built that way. It was built to have the wire. Well, that's just pointless. The computer already has a connected mouse thing. Why would they sell one that can't be wireless? Yeah, I don't know. You should return it. Make sure they sell you a wireless one. Tell them you specifically want one that is Bluetooth and wireless. What a fun call. Wow, she really wasn't getting that. I don't know what could have changed her mind or made her understand what analogy would have helped with that. What would you guys have done to help jog this lady's memory into understanding the difference between wired and wireless? User doesn't realize altering his PC with power tools will avoid the warranty. 
About five years ago, I worked in phone support for a small company that sells PCs designed specifically for seniors and folks with no prior computer experience. I have a million stories, but this one is short and sweet. The PCs themselves were touchscreen, all-in-ones running custom software. We shipped them with a mouse, keyboard, stylus, and anything else needed to get non-savvy users up and running comfortably. One day I received a call from an older gentleman, Phil. He wanted to know how his under-warranty repair was going. From his case notes, I saw that the PC reportedly would not power on. We received it in shipping yesterday, and it was with our repair techs. Because we were a small company, the warehouse and repair area were in the same building, about 20 feet from my desk. I walked over and asked around. The repair attempt hadn't started yet, so one of the repair guys and I unboxed Phil's PC. What we found that he neglected to tell us was that he had drilled a hole in the PC's case right above the power button. Unfortunately, his modification attempts nicked the power button as well. Phil was unhappy when I informed him that we would not process his repair under warranty due to causing the damage himself. He suggested that we should pay him for the idea of adding a pen holder. <laughs> where users could place their stylus somewhere convenient. In the end, we shipped Phil's PC back without repairs, as he did not want to pay for them, and later models of that PC included a plastic clip on the side to hold the stylus. Oh, Phil. Yeah, you should never take it upon yourself to do that kind of stuff. And why would you drill a hole? Oh my gosh, there's so many easier things you can do. You could take an old pen cap and glue it to the side of your case or something to hold the stylus. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine, even even knowing that there's wires and switches inside, I know I could figure out how to drill without hitting another component inside the case, and I still wouldn't do it. Ooh, man. I have no Wi-Fi, and this laptop is really hot. Longtime lurker, loved this subreddit, and stumbled upon something last week that I figure I should share. The players, bro, my brother, a natural enemy to all things electronic, however, not tech illiterate. Me, family and friend tech support starting in the early 2000s. Bro is not known for treating his computers well. Every single one he's graced with his touch has had something go wrong with it. Spilled drinks, broken charge ports, viruses, cracked screens... Hard disk fault, which he swears wasn't caused by physical means. I digress. This problem in particular, though, I don't think is his fault. Bro's laptop was running hot, like almost giving you first-degree burns hot. He decided to ignore this problem and continue using it, until one day he booted it up, and he had no Wi-Fi. Strange. Well, this particular machine is an HP, and it's shipped with a suite of diagnostic tools. So on his own accord, he ran every troubleshooter and diagnostic tool he could find. But they all came up empty. I even coached him through a Windows reinstall over the phone after he got sick of HP's UIs. But that didn't fix any of his problems either. Well, the HP bloat went away. The laptop has an Ethernet port, so he was happy enough continuing to use the laptop via 50-foot Cat6 tethered to the router. So we figured, okay, this laptop just runs hot. And you have internet now, so problem solved. Problem solved indeed. Until the day one of his couch naps was interrupted by a fire in his loins. <laughs> Said laptop was running super hot now. Definitely worse than before. Well, out of pure spite, that laptop got replaced with a pre-built gaming desktop. And was set aside and forgotten about. 
until somehow I came into ownership of it when I opened a box in my closet and found it. I quickly was reminded of the heating issue. Much to the dismay of the first three fingers on my right hand and diagnosed it as a simple clogged vent slash fan. So I emptied about a quarter can of compressed air into every orifice I could find. Satisfied with the amount of dust and debris expelled onto my kitchen table, I proceeded to try and diagnose the Wi-Fi problem. There's no option to connect to a wireless network. Strange. Device manager shows only one Ethernet adapter listed. No mention of the Wi-Fi adapter. Also strange. Maybe some drivers are missing due to the Windows refresh? This laptop has laid dormant for a few years, so I decided to patch into my Switch and let Windows update do its thing for a few hours. A few hours and reboots later, no Wi-Fi. Hmm, maybe HP upped its diagnostic tool game. A few more hours of loading HP's tools and running them. Nothing. Until I was reminded yet again, much to the dismay of first three fingers on my right hand, yet again, of how hot this thing runs. So I decided to crack open the bottom of the case. I removed the battery and it's a normal temperature. However, the heat issue is coming from a plate just below the battery. I flip it open and what do I find? A Wi-Fi card that looks like a forgotten s'more surrounded by brown scorch marks. This thing got so hot it desoldered the antenna connections from the board. It cooked the sticker off the back and it reeks of, I have expelled all my magic smoke, I am no more. Well there's your problem. $12 on Amazon and two days later, I have a working laptop with no overheating issue. I also have Wi-Fi. Thanks for the free laptop, bro. <laughs> I don't know if he took ownership just because he found it in a box in his closet or if he ended up asking his brother if he could have it, you know, I don't know. But I think if I didn't ask first, I would feel guilty after getting it fixed for 12 bucks and uh, not at least giving the brother the opportunity to take it back. What do you guys think? What would you do? When the sales team missed the most fundamental requirement. I used to work for an IT company that was famous for being big and for being blue. As a team, we designed, installed, and maintained banking solutions. We had a separate sales team who roamed the world drumming up contracts with the sole goal of earning their commissions. The very idea that they might need some technical guidance during the process never occurred to them, with the result that we were often stitched up with delivering the impossible. This is the tale of one of the more spectacular stitch-ups that got dumped on us. A regional bank in China had decided to expand its services to some of the more rural communities to support the rapidly growing economy. They had built their first new branch, building in an outlying farming village, and our sales team had got us the contract to kit it out with everything needed to run the business. Hardware, network, software, etc. The requirements were dropped on us to design, deliver, and install, and for once it looked like the dream contract. It was a blank canvas where we could put together a fully integrated turnkey solution. We were just given the requirements. Number of teller stations, expected transaction volumes and growth, application services needed, data interfaces to the remote central systems, and security requirements. We designed the perfect solution, put together the shopping list, and arranged for everything to be shipped out to China. We then waited for a call from the bank to say everything had arrived, so we could send out a small team to set it all up for them. A few weeks later, the call came, and three lucky team members were selected for an all-expense-paid trip of a lifetime to China, many days of thankless hard grind in the absolute back of beyond. The first few days are spent unboxing everything, putting devices where they need to go, laying network cables, and generally bolting everything together, 
Partway through the third day there, our hardware man steps out of the little closet where he had been setting up the local server, holding a UPS in his hand, and wanders up to the local manager. Manager, you're looking confused. Is there a problem? Hardware guy. Not really. I was just wondering where I should plug this in. Manager, what do you mean plug it in? You do know there's no electricity supply in this village. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, hardware guy. Hmm. Actually, he said rather more than three dots. The word sales team figured somewhere in his response, along with several words beginning with F, S, and B. So our team all trooped back home again while the bank sourced and installed a large generator and put in a load of cabling, all of which took many weeks. But at least all went well the second time around, and much later than scheduled. We got their diesel-powered bank branch up and running. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's one of the first things you want to check for. I mean, I know we take it for granted. As Americans, I can't, again, I can't speak for other countries, but as an American, I tend to take things like electricity for granted. You know, I figure I'm going to go somewhere and find electricity, even though I know in my heart of hearts that that's just not always the case. Uh, when I was a teenager, long time ago, we would go hunting up in Maine for a week every fall. And the first trip there, we went to this cabin. Well, I'm thinking, okay, cabin in the woods, whatever. We pull in and my dad says, okay, the first thing we got to do is get firewood to start a fire for heat. And then we have to light the refrigerator. Light the refrigerator? It was a propane refrigerator. I mean, I'm kind of shocked that we had a refrigerator at all, considering, considering when this cabin was built, you could barely get there with a vehicle, let alone on foot. So yeah, moral of the story, we shouldn't assume things, kids. Customer support made a mistake. The client ended the call extremely happy. I used to work for a call center company, and our account was a prepaid cell phone company. Let's call cell phone. As a general customer support and as a tech support. At the time of the story, I was new and it was my very first job. Please keep in mind that this happened like 10 plus years ago and some details may have been omitted. The company trained us for around one month, IIRC, and then allowed us to take actual calls for one week with our trainer and QC at our beck and call if we had any calls that doesn't follow the script. The training took a while because cell phone also handles a charity cell phone service, CCS from here on, for people who are in need, mostly old or poor people. We were told the government pays for the service, so the training basically was about learning the different policies and procedures of cell phone and CCS. This story is not what happened to me, but my fellow new employee. We were trained by batch. Anyway, this co-trainee of mine got a call from a client of the CCS. The client didn't receive his monthly minute allowance, so he called to ask what's up. Upon checking the entries and records of the client, the minutes did, in fact, not send to the client's phone and has to be manually sent by my co-trainee. And she did so by following the script. And then she clicked send on her screen and asked the client if he received a message saying he got his minutes. The client said he received a message, but it doesn't say he receives minutes. I don't know if she double-checked the entries after that, but she got confused and asked our trainer for help. Our trainer said to start over and send the minutes again, and she did. I was sitting next to my co-trainee. I was on a call and got my client on hold, and was waiting for my system to finish whatever I was doing at the time and started to watch. I watched her click on send again and asked the customer if he received his minutes. The client said he did receive a message, but again, no minutes. By the way, I couldn't hear him. 
My co-trainee was relaying what the client said to the trainer. My trainer was a little perplexed as well and reviewed what my co-trainee did that the minutes wouldn't send. Then our trainer found what's wrong. The client was indeed not receiving his manually inputted minutes. He was receiving days. Mind you, he was in the 300 plus minute per month program. My co-trainee gave him 300 plus days worth of minutes. Twice. It was a Dropbox choice mistake. She clicked on the day option instead of minute. Needless to say, my co-trainee was scared about the mistake. Our trainer just said, nothing we can do about it. Just inform the client and close it as normal. Just mention what happened in the note ticket. The client was extremely happy about what had happened. He received close to two years worth of minutes within the span of a 15 minute phone call, plus the monthly 300 plus minutes he'll continue to receive every month. And there I was, still waiting for my system to finish. Thinking what a lucky bugger that guy was. Man, I could, I could remember back in the day scrounging for minutes. I would have killed for that kind of mistake on my old flip phone. Work just keeps on surprising me. Quick intro. I work at a small hospital in the middle of nowhere. Yay. A user flagged me down in the hallway earlier this week, complaining a computer wouldn't start up for them. They led me into a back office that I'd never been in before. I didn't even know it was an office. And showed me their dead computer. The Windows 95 splash screen starts... <laughs> The Windows 95 splash screen stared back at me from an equally ancient monitor. Well, that's a relic. User. I booted it up yesterday and it's been like this ever since. I can't get to the desktop. I told the user it was dead and pretty much unsalvageable. There was much gnashing of teeth because there were important files on there. Your boss got involved. Then my boss got involved. A very circular conversation went on and on and on. My boss's final decision, remove the old beast from the hospital, rip out its hard drive, and put it out of its misery. Our department SLA states we don't support anything that's over so many years old. I borrowed a cart, loaded both the computer and monitor on it, while the user glared at me, <laughs> and brought it back to the IT office to show off to my co-workers. They were amazed that old relic had been missed in our multiple sweeps of the buildings. Wait, what office? Where was it hiding? This job just keeps on surprising me. Hey man, I've seen some ancient hardware running around this town where I live. Uh, you know, people have one set up as some kind of a little makeshift server and it's just been running and running and running. Uh, it's kind of like an old car though, you know. If you run it for so long and then you shut off, it's that's probably what's going to kill it. But honestly, I wouldn't have taken that thing anywhere. Uh, well, I would have taken it out of that office for sure, but uh, I wouldn't have thrown it away. I kind of dig some vintage equipment. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.